Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everybody, into the Believe in Blazer podcast. I am your host, Stephen Vahagen. And that is my co-host, Tori Jones. Tori, what's going on, man? <laughs> Not much, man. Nah. Uh, I don't know how to respond to that, but I'm having a good night. And uh, yeah, ready to talk about some interesting Blazers stuff. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like the trade deadline, just a little under a week away. There's still some things going on. I- I'm excited about it. There's some stuff. Um, I know you, there's some markets where you can bet on who's going to get traded, who's not going to get traded. And of course, when you're doing your betting, Tori, and you know this, you always head over to Bet Online because this is the Believe in Blazers podcast presented by Bet Online. So why would you not do that? Bet Online is the place, number one source, all your sports betting, every sport, even race cars. I know Tori's a big race car guy. All types of cars that race, Tori is in on it. Um, you can live bet. There's free contests, live scores. Truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and sports. Head to that website. Use the promo code believe you get 50% off 50% off 50% welcome bonus uh, with your first deposit. That's promo code believe B L E A V bet online where the game starts. Tori race cars real quick. Daytona 500 is what I heard is coming up soon. Give me a winner here. Uh, I'm rooting for Kyle Busch. Daytona 500 is a crap shoot. So, you know, put it down on four different guys is what I do. Doesn't really matter who, because somebody obscure can win it. And half the cars crash, so you want more than one pick. You want, you know, one of those picks to be around at the end. So put it down on four different guys. If I had to pick, uh, Ryan Ryan Blaney uh, always does well. Penske guys always do well. Joey Logano. I could be a NASCAR podcaster, honestly. This is something that not a ton of people know. But, uh... Yeah, so I'll roll with Ryan Blaney is my prediction as of now. Steven, are race cars a sport? Yeah, it's definitely a sport. I, I'm not against it. Uh, I really think it's a sport. They, it takes a lot to be in those race cars. Like, they, uh, they're they sweating. They're doing a lot. Uh, I got a couple picks, too. Uh, I got first, number one, bet I'm going to make Tony Stewart. I got him as a winner. Number two, Jeff Gordon. Number three, Dark Horse Danica Patrick. I think she's got a shot to win this yeah, year. So yeah, those, are- those guys, Steve, those guys retired when oh. you did from college. Uh, ba- yeah, you know, you, you retired just- from college basketball. We were talking about that before this stream. You're talking about how you played back in 2007. So your headspace is already stuck in that era. We got to get you back to 2023 because those guys and girl are now long gone. Um, it's 2023. Uh, need to bring you back to reality here. You said it's a crapshoot, so I you know, I think I'd go with the longest shot possible. But all right, 2023, let's talk Trailblazers then. Uh, Shams, 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 no, Shams Sharania, um, he reported that the Blazers are zeroing in on Jared Vanderbilt. Tory Jared Vanderbilt of the Jazz, uh, forward formerly of the Timberwolves. Damian Lillard has said before he likes his game. Chauncey Billups has said he likes his game. First off, let me uh, just get your overall take on Jared Vanderbilt as a player. Not necessarily as a fit with the Blazers, but just his game in general. Uh, Good defensive player. Better passer than people think. Um, He's averaging four assists per game per 36 right now. Uh, Can handle the ball a little bit for a guy that's a power forward center kind of hybrid. I know he's shot the three ball great against the Blazers this year. Against non-Portland Trailblazer teams, he's under 30%. And then against the Blazers, he's like above 50% for whatever reason. Just like every other random 
role player, he goes off from three against the Blazers. So um, he's a, he's a limited shooter. He's not really a floor space or anything, but he's athletic, can finish on the inside, can rebound the ball, uh, and can get after it defensively is probably a better length option to put against guards than Jeremy Grant has been. So it would be intriguing to see him in a Blazer uniform. I do think his defense gets a little bit overrated by some Blazer fans. I've seen people call him a defensive player of the year candidate, an all-defensive team candidate. I don't think he's quite that level, but he's definitely a good defensive piece. And he's young, 23 years old, is only going to make around $5 million next year. So he's on a cheap contract too. So I understand why the Blazers have interest in him. Yeah, I think you're right uh, about the the defensive player of the year, all defense. If he is traded to the Blazers, this will be his fifth team, and he's 23 years old. That Those type of guys aren't usually like first team all defense, right? Like if they're that good at defense, they hang on to teams. So I agree with you. Good defender. Uh, definitely an upgrade over a lot of positions, something that the Blazers need. Because right now the Blazers just need anybody, like anybody that could fill out the bench. That's another question. Is it, if they trade for Jared Vanderbilt, let's just say Josh Hart, gets moved. I don't know the exact pieces, but Jared Vanderbilt's in there. Is he going to be a starter with Jeremy Grant or is he coming off the bench? I think they would end up starting him and moving Jeremy Grant to the small forward position. And I don't know how I feel about that because of how limited of a shooter he is. Josh Hart, of course, hasn't been confident enough shooting the three ball this year. So uh, it'd be a weird, intriguing fit. I would rather have Jared Vanderbilt if he starts guarding guards than Jeremy Grant. Um, so it might be a good good option defensively since Chauncey Billups has shown that he wants to put length up against guards. And even when it doesn't work, he won't go away from it. Uh, so having another lengthy defender means that, you know, one of them can play help side at all times, play around the rim to help out Yusuf Nurkic, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, and then the other one can be on the ball. So I do think it would make the Blazers a little better defensively in the starting lineup. Offensively, though, I feel like people don't appreciate what Josh Hart brings enough with his playmaking, um, being able to handle the ball in the open court. Vanderbilt replaces a little bit of it, but he's not at Josh, Josh Hart's level. I don't think you're going to see Vanderbilt getting Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons and Jeremy Grant some open shots like Josh Hart has this year. So uh, coupled with his shooting, I do think it might be a little bit of a worse fit offensively. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Um the thing, the good thing about it is, is if the Blazers are to get rid of Josh Hart and they have Jared Vanderbilt basically to replace him, the rebounding will still be there, right? Like he, he can still rebound. He'll make up the rebounds that Josh Hart did that Jeremy Grant doesn't do. So that is key because you know when Jeremy Grant's playing the four and he's not giving you any rebounds, I think that's tough. Uh, but you get Jared Vanderbilt in there, I think he'd be a good fit there. Defensively, I think you're right. Like the team would be better defensively than they are right now in the starting lineup. I still don't know how high they is. I mean, are they a top 16 defense in the NBA? Maybe, maybe not. Like, I think this is, I think it would be a good addition just because I think he's a good player. But I also think that we as Blazer fans are overrating some of the trade targets, whether that is Jared Vanderbilt or OG Ananobi or any, basically any player that's on the trade block right now, because the Blazers are so in a desperation of just needing warm bodies that can play basketball. So like all these guys look really good. And like, I would love Jaden Vanderbilt on the team, but I just don't know that how much of a difference that's really going to make with this team right now. Um, if you bring in Jared Vanderbilt, like, does that put them into the top eight? I don't think so. I think there's still probably a play in team. 
and they're being battling for that final spot. But it also depends on what they have to give up, right? Like, I mean, what kind of draft picks are you having to give up? What kind of players do you have to give up? I, I don't know, man. I like the f- – well, what like what do you – yeah, what do you think the Blazers would have to give up to get a guy like Jared Vanderbilt into Portland? So supposedly it sounds like it would be Josh Hart to a third team, not Utah, and then it would be that third team giving up a first-round pick for him. Um, now, obviously, how good of a first-round pick that is would have to be determined, but apparently Josh Hart's a hot name on the trade market, and that doesn't really surprise me. I feel like Blazer fans have actually started to underrate Josh Hart a little bit, um, and I feel like a lot of contending teams would love to have that guy that you can slot into different roles. He can help with rebounding. He can help with um, you know giving you another playmaker off the bench, uh, and he can score the ball at times when he's confident. We haven't really seen that enough this year, but we saw it at times last year. So he can do a bunch of different things. You can plug him in in different roles, and he can excel in them, and he plays hard. So uh, he's going to have value out there. Who the third team would be, I have no idea. But basically, it would be hard to a third team. That team trading a first-round pick and an expiring contract, most likely, to the Utah Jazz. And then the Jazz trading Portland, Jared Vanderbilt, as well as Kelly Olenek is a name that has been talked about. Um, and we can talk a little bit about him if you want. But that would basically be the deal. And the hope would be that Portland would be able to swing Josh Hart for Jared Vanderbilt and another piece like a Kelly Olynyk, Maybe you have to give up Keon Johnson in the process, Justice Winslow, a couple second-round picks. Um, but in the end, I don't see the Portland Trailblazers unprotecting their first that they owe Chicago next year to trade for Jared Vanderbilt. They don't have future first because of that pick. So I think most likely it would be Josh Hart going somewhere, and that's where the value for Utah comes in. Yeah, I think as soon as draft picks get involved, like – that's where it's a deal breaker at this point. Like you're definitely not putting in the uh, the, the the trade uh, the draft pick with the Bulls. Like the the implications, you're not putting that in there. You can't do that. Not for a play like Jared Vanderbilt. I think I think you're right. Like it has to be around to Josh Hart. And if you bring in a Kelly Olynyk, I think I think that's kind of the trade that you're looking at with Josh Hart. It's two role players. For one role player, right? Like, I, I think Josh Hart on the surface is just better. He's a better player than Jared Vanderbilt. He's a better player than Kelly Olynyk. But when you're the Portland Trailblazers and you have no depth, it's going to be good to bring in two guys. So for that reason, like, I think it's a good trade. And as long as there's not too many draft picks, too many young players um, that you're giving up, I think it's a fine trade because it's it will help the Blazers not only this season, but as we talked about last episode where we're rating the percentages of all these players being traded, and I said I kind of think Damian Lillard, you know, they're going to let Dame ride out his contract, but they're really basically building for Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp and Jeremy Grant. I think Jared Vanderbilt's a guy that you want on your team when you're going forward and really trying to make that push uh, you know, for the playoffs. I, I, I think it's a good move. Um, it's not a real needle, ma- needle mover, but – at the same time, Tori, I think it would help for sure. Um, Kelly Olynyk, you know, I think that's a guy that uh, he's a guy that I think will be in the NBA for. He's already been in the league for a long time, but he's a guy that's going to play until he's like thirty-eight because he's you know he's like seven feet and he can shoot, and so like he's always going to be able to do that. You know, he's already uh, thirty-one. Like he he's going to play forever in the NBA because that jump shot's not going to go away. He's shooting forty percent this season. 
I mean, do you think he's like a realistic fit for this Blazers team right now? Or is, you know, is that a realistic rumor that you think? Because I don't know, man. I, the Blazers don't seem like a spot for Kelly Olenek, but um, I know that you've heard other things. Well, what do you think they're not a spot for? I I just think that Kelly Olenek, he seems like the type of player that if he's going to be moved to a playoff team, it's going to be one of the top teams. Like he's going to be a guy that doesn't play much on, you know, a Milwaukee Bucks, just for example, I'm not saying for them. But like a team that is a real championship contender, I just don't think the Blazers are in that spot yet. So for me, like it just seems like it, it's not a waste for the Blazers to trade for him. But you're not going to get anything else for him. Like he, he's a guy that just would help out a really good team and help him get over the top. I, I just don't think Portland's at that level. I mean, I don't think he has to be traded to a contending team. Um, he's a role player, um, but he's a good role player. I think he's actually become quite a bit underrated, but. It doesn't matter necessarily where he's going. I mean, in the past, we've seen him end up in Houston when Houston was tanking. Uh, so he's ended up in worse situations in the past. It just comes down to is Utah, you know, is it worth it for Utah? That's basically what it is at the end of the day. Because I think Portland will be able to find a suitor for Josh Hart, that third team that's willing to give up a first. Um, you know, how good of it of a first is it? Are they willing to give up a second too? those questions matter because that's the value that's going to Utah. So in the end of the day, it's like, okay, is are you able to come up with a package that's good enough for Utah? Hopefully the Jazz, hopefully Danny Ainge values Keon Johnson. You know, I don't think he has first-round pick value like people tried to say he did when the Blazers initially traded for him. Uh, I don't think Keon Johnson has much value, to be quite honest with you, but the Jazz could go for a young guard. They don't have a ton of youth at the guard spots. So... Keon Johnson seconds that first to Utah. Maybe you could get Kelly Olynyk on top of that because he is a non-guaranteed next year. He's making $12 million. He's a good role player, but the Jazz are sellers. If they're trading Jared Vanderbilt for a first-round pick, obviously they're selling. So maybe on Portland's end you have to give up you know, a second-round pick or two extra in order to get Kelly Olynyk back in this deal. Um, but I don't see what's stopping Portland from doing that. Speaking of selling, uh, if the Jazz are sellers, that's obviously good for the Trailblazers uh, to get into the top eight or the top ten for the play-in. Um, I brought this up to you, and I, I don't know if I fully believe it quite yet. I'm starting to believe it a little bit more as I think about it. But the Lakers are getting healthy, and they just got Rui Hachimura. Am I crazy to think that when the Lakers throw out their final five at the end of games... Like, that roster's not terrible, and they're just as good as the Blazers, or am I just uh, buying too much into the LeBron hype right now? So I'm going to talk to the listener right now, Stephen, to whoever's listening to this podcast, um, and I'm going to talk to, you know, whoever's watching this on Blazers Uprise Live, which is my second YouTube channel. We do uh, video versions of the podcast there. So Stephen has asked me if the Lakers are better than the Blazers like four times this year, and I think every time he's asked me, the Lakers have been below the Blazers in the standings, and yes, they've been injured, but they missed games. Blazers have had some guys that are banged up. Uh, For the fourth or fifth or tenth time, I'm kind of losing track here. Uh, No! Can we stop, Stephen, with the Lakers? Are they better? Are they better? Are they this? Are they that? Because that's the thing is... Who is the third and fourth best players on the I Lakers? You would say probably Rui and Westbrick, right? I don't know, dude, but... They don't fit LeBron- next to their number one and number two. None of those pieces fit. Every team has a dude or two. Like, I know but LeBron's having like a great Lakers, year and AD's man. having a great year. But, I, I mean, 
Dude, at this point, you can make the case. You can make the case that with Damian Lillard, the way Damian Lillard's playing, he's better than both of them. Is is the Lakers' top two guys when healthy? Is it the top two duo? Is it the top duo of the league? I mean, you got to put Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown up there. You got to like they they are they could be one. They're at least top three in the NBA. Here's the thing, Steven. This is the mistake you make. The Lakers. You always talk about when AD's healthy. When is AD healthy? He just played. Yeah, he played a game, and maybe he'll be able to play a game after that. But he's very injury prone, and he's always banged up. You can't rely on him to stay healthy. All right, all right. That's a, That's all I needed to hear. Yeah, just and again, I'm not I worried about not. the Los Angeles Lakers. All right. I hope that the Lakers aren't as good. I just I, I'm getting worried as the season's going on, and they're still in the ra- like. I thought they would have been out of the race by now. That's the thing. Like they're, no teams out of the race. Oh, there are there. Other than the teams that are on purpose tanking, no teams out of the race. The ja- the Jazz the Jazz are out of the race once they start trading their guys. Like they're not making it. When they trade their guys, that's because they're tanking. But they're the basically giving away tanking. players, right? But the Lakers yeah. aren't giving away players. They're adding players so every team that's like not trying to lose which the jazz if they're getting rid of guys for picks they're trying to lose and play for the future which is i think the right play in their position and then you got the spurs who just have not much talent and are obviously tanking and the rockets are obviously tanking what other team is obviously trying to tank in the west there's none and every other team's in it even okc's in it because they got sga playing at an all-star level. He just got selected to his first all-star game, averaging like 31 a game. Um, and they got some some good, solid young talent on that team. So, I mean, I didn't. I never thought they were going to be out of it at this point in the season. There's a lot of parity right now. But you think about it, considering the talent they have on their team, yes, I know they've had injuries. But the fact that they're still 13th or 12th or whatever they are is uh, kind of embarrassing for them. I mean, I just feel like uh, I feel like we all counted about a little early. They're they're still kind of in it, so I, that's all. That's all I was bringing up. You know, I just want to just get your reaction. Uh, you speaking of all stars, though, you talk about all stars. Damian Lillard, all star. Uh, how you feeling about that? I mean, there was talk that he wasn't going to be a reserve, which is pretty insane to think about. Um, and then he went on this run, which pretty much solidified it. But uh, you know, props to Damian Lillard. Give him some flowers for that one. Yeah, I mean, if if he wasn't an all star even before he went on this run, I. Thought he was an all-star. He was still averaging 27 a game. Still doing some damn things. He had a slump. Everybody has a slump once in a while. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of sad that even today they announced, I think, three or four guys before they got to Dame. And some Blazer fans started to worry. And isn't it sad that we can have a player averaging almost 31 points per game and we have to worry about if he's going to get snubbed from the all-star game because we're Portland? Is it because... It's the Blazers, or is it because they're just not very good this year? I mean, I don't know. That's both. <laughs> or is it just, or is it just because we're Blazer fans? So like, we always think everyone's out to get Portland. I mean, that's kind of the feeling, but like, it's also we're not very good this year. But also, we're two games out of fourth. Just like the refs are always out to get Portland. By the way, Tor, Tor, you need to, you need to, you need to chill on these ref tweets. No, all my ref tweets are legitimate complaints, Stephen. Yo, dude, no, 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 no. This that's another that's another podcast. But you have some tweets sometimes about like block charges when they don't get reversed or they do get reversed. It's like, dude, they're clear. They're clear. Like, what's the rule on a block charge call, Stephen? I understand what it is, Tori. It's supposed to be the person that's in the spot first. 
the benefit of the doubt goes their way. Like if the defender, is, even if his feet are still hypothetically moving, if the offensive player is going into them and they're already in the spot of contact the first, and they just go into them and lower their shoulder and. Like, that's why, guys, when you drive and your defender's moving your feet, but you lower the shoulder and you load up and you barrel into them, it's supposed to be a charge. But who, they don't you, call it the same way on triple drives where the defender's, like, in front of them moving. I don't get it. Who was it? I forget what team they were playing, but you you were really mad about one. And I'm just like, dude, it was clearly a block. Uh, I don't know. Clearly a block based on the way NBA refs just, call it, which is saying. always benefiting the offense. And that's why you have, like... 50 players averaging 20 a game. This is, and you know what? I don't work for Rip City Radio anymore, but I always have love for them. Chad Dewing taught me this. He doesn't like to complain about the refs. Just go into the game knowing they're going to suck so badly that it won't make you as mad because they're going to suck and they're going to make bad calls, but that's just what it is. Like, I just, I don't know. And then the whole NFL thing, people are talking about the NFL being rigged. Like, I don't, I just, it bothers me. It's, it's starting I don't to bother think the NFL is rigged, but. Don't even, as a Niner fan, don't even get me started down that road because I, I will be upset about refs, refs some though. more. It's not the refs. It's I mean, yeah, maybe it was the fact that they were on their fifth string quarterback, which was their first string running yeah, back. Christian McCaffrey at running or quarterback. Like, that's why they lost. Not the refs. But the refs were atrocious. <laughs> All right, man. I, I get it. I get it. They were bad. They're, they're bad. They're, they're bad. What do you want? Like, they're just terrible. <laughs> well, in the MLB, you have, like, a report card for each game for, for umps, right? Can we have that for refs? Can we hold them accountable? Like, instead, they're just going to screw up all year. But, oh, when they screw up super badly against the Lakers, then they'll tweet out how they're so sorry oh, they're going to lose sleep because was... the Lakers. And Real quick, real quick. What was your take on LeBron falling on the ground for, like, a minute straight? Was that just one of the most embarrassing things you've ever seen? Like, that that made me so mad. I, it was embarrassing. Like, it's embarrassing as, like, a basketball fan to even have LeBron falling to the ground, acting like somebody died on the court. Like, oh, God, I just I hated it. Um, can you imagine weren't people mad that he, uh, didn't care enough about winning anymore? Can you imagine doing that though? Like in a game, just like collapsing on the court because you're so sad. You didn't get a foul call. And then having the audacity to be like, the refs were out to get me. Oh, I'm LeBron. Refs never give me calls. It's like, bro, you getting... that was a terrible missed call, but... <laughs> obviously, obviously he got fouled, but he's been getting calls his whole career. Like, in the fourth quarter, I saw that. I saw some stat. I didn't have to pull it up again, but uh, someone went through all the fourth quarter, um, the two-minute calls, two-minute reports, and the Lakers get more calls than the other teams. Like, So it's like, stop whining that you don't get calls, LeBron. God. All right. I mean, yes, but also when it's something that bad that decides a game. I mean, Damian Lillard looked like he wanted to go MMA on a ref after that goaltending call in Utah a couple years ago. And we were like, yeah, Dame, tell him. That was terrible. Blah, blah, blah. And then I went on a post-game show and ranted about it for five minutes until I realized that my mic was muted. That was the thing that wow. happened. I ranted about that goaltending call for five minutes. Well, at least you, at least you were recording. That's fine. Yeah, I think I deleted the stream. I should have kept it. But basically, nobody heard anything, and they just saw me, like, violently raging. (laughs) We know sometimes you don't record. You forget that as well. Does it bother you that Dame just goes out and searches for free throws, by the way? 
last 11 games shooting 12 and a half free throws. What do you mean searches for free throws? Like what specifically? Because sometimes swings his arms through. Oh, foul. Don't reach. Reach, I teach. Yeah, you reach, I teach. I mean, like what? He's supposed to not be as effective because he doesn't do everything that every other star does. I feel like I'm on rants today, but like. I feel like um, we complain about guys like James Harden or whoever getting all these foul calls. Like, Dame does the same things. Don't James Harden averaged like a 12 free throws a game. Dame's averaging eight something. Not the last 11 games. Okay, well, that's because he's so unguardable that teams have to foul him. He is unguardable, by the way. Some of those moves, dude, uh, so they're so sick, man. Like, I just let, like text people like, man, Dame is such a killer, man. Like, it's just insane. It's This run that Damian Lillard is on right now, is it is it the best? It's the, probably not the best stretch he's ever had in his career, but it's close, right? I mean, he's shooting the most efficient he's ever shot in his career. He's like the, finishing like the, at far, but the best rate at the rim. Like his like, finishing has been unreal this year, which is the first thing you would expect to decline is like him being able to get to the rim and finish. That's actually better than ever. And then um, he's scoring at a higher rate than ever. This is arguably his best season ever, Stephen. But this stretch, like the last 10, 11 games. Is it the best stretch? Like, Bubble Dame was awesome. Um, the stretch right before COVID hit, like, the game when after Kobe died, they played in L.A. Like, that stretch where he was playing, he was awesome during that stretch. Like, he may be better right now than he's ever been. Am I crazy? Am I crazy to think that? No, you're not crazy at all. It is something where offense is up this year for whatever reason. I don't really understand why. But, I mean, Donovan Mitchell at 71, you've had more 40-point games this year, and we're not even to the All-Star break or the trade deadline yet, than we did all of last year. Like, SGA's averaging 31, you got seven players averaging over 30. For whatever reason, it's like these stars are on an even, I don't know, like, they're, they're just, they're scoring at even a higher rate than they ever have before. And at some point, you gotta look at the defense or maybe some of the calls but also obviously give credit because Dame's playing as good of a stretch as he ever has. I just, I don't know. But like he did it against the Grizzlies team, which was the number one ranked defense and adjusted defensive rating going into the last game. And he dropped 42 on him against Dylan Brooks. And the defensive player of the year, Jaron Jackson Jr. Drew Eubanks dunking all over him. Uh, I think that's why Jared Vanderbilt, you know, he'll be a good fit in Portland if he comes to Portland. Because, you know, because Eubanks <laughs> dunked on... Jared yeah. Jackson Jr., so Vando is a good fit. No, because Dame's so good on offense that you don't have to worry about defense. You can get a better defender there. So, again, let's go back to the Jared Vanderbilt. Like, that. Okay, hold on, hold on. how much do yeah. you want Dame to have to carry, though? Because I don't think you can rely on him being the only guy in the playoffs. We've well, tried we, to do yeah. that too much in the past. If we can get someone else to consistently play up with him in the backcourt named Anthony Simons. Hey, he's been playing better lately, though. He was great in that Memphis game, too. He was. Fourth quarter, he was really good. Some of those mid-range shots were very, uh... He was very... He was very pedestrian in the first three quarters, and I was very upset. I wanted, I wanted to see him step up with Jeremy Grant being out. Uh, Josh Hart was hurt for a little bit. Nurk was hurt. And I needed to see Anthony Simons step up in the first three quarters. He did not, so I am proud of him. I don't think he played bad. He like, didn't play good. He, he had finished with 26. He went on a stretch there in the second half, but... I want to say he had, what, like 10 shots in the first three quarters? Like, when Jeremy Grant doesn't play in the second half and you only have 10 shots, you need to have more than that. Okay, I get, I, yeah, I get your point. I want him I, to be a little bit more aggressive in those situations, yeah. too. 
Like Jeremy Grant's out, Josh Hart was out, uh, Nurk was out, and he's still. Let's see, I'm trying to figure it out here. Uh, yeah, I mean, he took eight shots in the fourth quarter. He had eighteen. Yeah, ten. ten so ten. Yeah, so ten. Yeah, ten shots going in or after the third quarter. Like you got to have more than that. You got to have more than that. And so I, I'm glad he went six for eight in the fourth quarter, and he proved me wrong. But I, I need to see it just more consistently, more more often. But uh, that's just another conversation with Anthony Simons that I. Here's I the thing. Okay, give it to me because okay. Here's my thing with Avery Simons. I understand the stats are great. The shooting stats are really good. He's very young. He's gonna probably get better. Defensively, he is better than he has ever been in his career. But Tori, for some reason, when I watch this guy play, I just I don't like it. I don't know why. Please tell me. Please tell me why I need to like him more. I mean, basically, it's a situation where if in that Memphis game he forces more shots, you're probably looking at it like, oh, he's played like CJ used to play, forcing these shots. But since he doesn't force enough shots, then he's not being aggressive enough. And basically, like, unless he's hitting, you know, 60, 70% of them at an insane clip and shooting a bunch of them, then it's a problem. That makes sense. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna have a new view on him. I'm going to have a new view going forward. That was, that was that was easier than I thought. No, yeah, that, that makes sense. You make it, it makes a lot of sense. I will say, like, maybe I'm just wanting him to shoot more because that's what we saw to CJ, right? Like CJ would take more shots than Anthony Simons. He always did. Where Anthony lets the game come to him, and if he doesn't have it, he doesn't force it. And sometimes that makes him mad. There's a, there's a play at the end of the third quarter. He isos and then he kicks it off to I believe GP two, like right on the top of the key. Like just go. Like you have the ball, make a one on one move. You just dribbled around for twenty seconds and pass a GP two, put him in a bad spot. Those are the plays that make me mad. Like I, I cannot stand those type of plays. Chris Paul does that to people on his team. He just dribbles around for twenty seconds and then passes to you at four seconds and expects you to make a play. No, like that is not a good situation. And I think Amphrey Simons does that too much for me. But I'm gonna have less expectations going forward with them, Tori. I think you talked me into it. Just calm down. He's 23. All right. I'm good. I'm good. I mean, and he's only played a little more than half a season next to Damian Lillard. So I still think he's trying to find that right line between playing within the flow, not forcing things, but also being aggressive enough. Um, yeah, I still think, you know, there's times where he could be more aggressive. Sometimes occasionally needs to dial it back. But if a dude's trying to find that line, I'd rather be I'd rather him be a little bit more too passive than forcing too much. Uh, so that's where I'm, I'm fine. Even if he has some quiet games, I mostly just care like, okay, is he making his shots? Is he making the right plays, making the right passes, not turning the ball over? And is he playing solid defense? Uh, that's, that's really what I look at when trying to analyze his games, uh, for the yeah. most part. No, going, going forward, I, I, I'm still going to be hard on him because I, I want a lot out of him. I think he's very important to the team, but at the same time, I'll give him a little benefit of the doubt. Um, so against the Grizzlies, Tori. Three guys had double doubles in the game. Can you name them? Damian Lillard. Who on the Grizzlies? John Morant. Morant. Yeah, he he had a triple double, didn't he? And then you and then and who else on the Blazers had a double double? And then you had you Drew Banks. Drew Banks with the double double. Your boy Nurt goes down, gets hurt after two minutes. I was a little upset. Uh, I would never complain about it because it happens when you're betting. But I did have Nurk. Uh, hitting a three in the game, and so playing two minutes, he didn't hit the three. That it was a winner. It was a loser. That didn't make me happy, but I would never complain about it because it's just betting. Like you gamble, you lose. You win, you lose. Bet online. Let's go. Um, but Drew Eubanks, uh, eleven points, eleven rebounds, monster dunk over Jaron Jackson Jr. It was kind of over him from behind. I don't. I don't know. Maybe the YouTube comment section could answer this one. How do you dunk on someone when they're behind you? 
Is that physically like, possible? It was kind of like the old reach around there. I don't know, man. It was the reach around. <laughs> but uh, Drew Banks, nice game. Nice game. Looks like Nurk is out. He may be out going forward. He was seen wearing a walking boot after the Memphis game. How much, Tory, on a scale of 1 to 10, are you worried about the Trailblazers defense now that Drew Eubanks is in the starting lineup? Oh, man. Um, eight. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Eight. Was- because it's not even all, like, the starting lineup. I don't trust Trenton Wofford as the center off the bench. Has he got? Has he gotten much worse, or was I just correct about him that he's just not a very good basketball player? Maybe a little of both. Um, but the problem is, the problem is with Watford is he's too small to be a five. But he's slow. He's uh, maybe too slow to be a four, and he also isn't Can't a shoot. good three point shooter. So what is he? He does some things well, and it's like when you're playing for a tagging team against some other bad lineups, those things show up, and it's like, oh wow, look what he can do. He can pass. He can handle. Good floater. This and that. But when you're trying to fit him into a role, there's no role on a winning team that really makes a ton of sense for him. So that's the problem with Watford, in my opinion. And he's going to have to figure out what the best role is for him to pursue in his NBA career and then work on developing the skills necessary to play that role because um, he's obviously not good enough to be a star handling the ball like crazy or anything. He doesn't have that skill set, but you could do that a little bit. It's just like how you got to be able to play better off the ball, space the floor, knock down threes, and then defend a position right now. He just, uh, you know, if he was a little taller, he'd be fine defensively as a center. If he was a little quicker, he'd be fine defensively as a forward. He's just stuck in between. He's a tweener, which is uh, a phrase that we use a lot to describe um, guys that are too small to be centers, but not good enough at power forward things in order to be a power forward. Not, you know, good enough shooter, not quick enough. So he's one. Of, he's a tweener. He's like the song, uh, I wish I were a ball. I wish we were a little bit taller. I wish I were a baller. Yeah. Do you relate to that song? No, dude, I'm 6'2". I'm fine. Um, I have uh, my I have a little podcast beef about Trenton Watford with another Blazer podcast to remain nameless. You guys can go back and figure it out if you really wanted to. Um, Trenton Watford last year got compared to Julius Randle, and I about lost my brain when they said that. And so I will never forget that comment. I will never forget the person that said it. Uh, yeah, it was tweeted out, and I just I, – I, couldn't stop laughing like Trent Watford like is not a star player I can't agree with you more he's not a star player he's not even a backup player so the fact with Drew Eubanks starting Trent Watford is going to get some more minutes I think Jabari Walker I'd rather see him in there right am I wrong about that yeah because he's a better rebounder than Watford Um, so that's also the problem with Watford center not good enough rebounder you you described Trenton Watford. You said he's too small, he's too slow, and he can't shoot. Well, that, that's enough for me then, Tori. Like, I don't want him to play on this team. Like, see you later. Get someone else. And I think that's why the sooner the boys can get trade for the trade deadline, they need to get another big guy in here, right? And, and it's not – and it's but it's not even to take – like when Nurk comes back, let's say Nurk survives the trade deadline, which he may not. He may get traded, but he survives the trade deadline. Eubanks is still on this team. I don't even necessarily need a, a backup big that's going to take Eubanks' minutes. I just need another backup big. That way, if Nurk gets hurt again or Eubanks is ineffective, they have another guy to go to. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, going back to one of our conversations trade-wise, that's why I'd like Kelly Olenek. Yeah. And, and, and he provides a different, you know, a different set of uh, skills. 
that you know Nurk and Eubanks don't really provide. Yeah, let uh, me just say this to finish answering your initial question about how worried I'd be. Um, Drew Eubanks has gotten to the point where he will have a really fun game where he's really effective. Like, he had 11 rebounds against Memphis, a double-double, as you said, some energy plays, and then defensively, more often than not, was in the right spot. The problem is, is every time he does that, there's so many Blazer fans out there that are so ready to anoint him as the best bargain in the NBA, as if Nas Reed isn't being paid the same amount this year playing consistently well for the Timberwolves. Um, The best bargain in the NBA, and... He's, you know, better than Nurkic. I've heard some national guys say that, which is just blasphemous. KOC. Um, yeah, I, I've talked about that in the past. Um, By the way, that article, he murdered Nurk in that. He hates Nurkic because Nurkic called him out on Twitter, and he can't handle it, so he's still upset, and he's That's still not- taking it out on him. That sounds like other Blazer podcast people to remain nameless. I have a question for you. Would you rather have Nurkic or Mason Plumley back? Like, who's better? Like, Nurkic is obviously better. Well, who would you rather have since you're tired of Nurkic? Well, Nurkic. I've seen Mason Plumley, and I'm tired of him, too. See, that's the thing is there's people out there that would, like, rather have Mason Plumley or rather have certain guys. But I guarantee you a month later, they would be tired of them because they're not as good. Yeah, I don't need to see Mason Plumley throwing up 15-foot left-handed jump shots. I'm, I'm good with that. Um, I'm going to give you some advice on Drew Eubanks. You gave me advice on Amphrey Simons. So I need you to, you know, turn, turn your bike down. Turn your bike down a little bit. This is Steven going to talk to Tory time here. Uh, here. Here's Drew Eubanks. Take it this way. Every time you watch Drew Eubanks, Eubanks play, Tory, keep in your mind, this guy is a backup. He has flaws. Don't expect perfect from him. He's good at a few things. He's good at finishing around the hoop. He's good at dunking. That's about it. But think about that. Those are the things he's good at, and he does them well. So be happy with that. He, if he was, if he could do all these things that you want him to do, he'd be a starter, starting player in the NBA, and not be traded by the Spurs and cut by the Raptors and picked up by the Blazers on a minimum contract. But he is. He's that guy, and that's okay. Every team needs that guy. So I think you're just a little hard on him, and it's fine because, like, I don't think you're making it out to be like a Nurk Eubanks thing, but like you're you're. You understand that Nurk is important, and so you get mad at people that get mad at Nurk. But Eubanks is important as well. Like, what he does well, he does well. You have to admit that. What he does well, he does well. So just take the positive of Drew Eubanks and be like, you know what? That's fine. He's going to make mistakes, but he had a cool dunk. Be happy. Turn your backpack on. Okay. It would be easier if that's how everybody else viewed him. Okay. Well, just know, just know that I feel that way. I feel that way in my heart. If that's how everybody else viewed him, okay, sure, absolutely. Easy, right? Like, I don't say here in rant about Trenton Watford, you know? <laughs> that's the problem. So, yes, he's good at finishing and dunking, and he's athletic. Yeah. I mean, can we stop okay. saying he's better than Darkage? Because that's the problem with for me. Yes, that is... I think that's that's the moral of the story, everybody. Let's stop saying that Drew Eubanks is better than Yusuf Nurkic and just start over him because that's just not true. And as a Nurkic hater, I can admit it's not true. Like, it's not even close to true. So let's just stop that narrative. I'm down with that, Tori. I'm down with that, okay? <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right, man. I don't want to keep ranting about Eubanks. I feel like too many podcasts and too many of my streams end up with me being hard on you banks so i will try and take your advice because i'm trying to it's just uh 
all my all my analysis is based on what the fan base talks about most of the time. Like I talk about what the fan base talks about. All right. Um, before we wrap up here, uh, trade deadline less than a week away. It's Thursday, February eighth. Um, I know you guys, Blazers Uprise, will be doing. Is it the ninth? Okay, I just can't read the calendar. Uh, yeah, you're right. The ninth on a Thursday. Um, you guys will be doing the live stream that day. Blazers Uprise. Be sure to check that out, everybody. Um, we're trying to figure out where I can pop on at some point. I think that'd be pretty cool, especially if the Blazers make some deals between now and the deadline. Um, when do you think the Blazers do make a deal? Do you think the Blazers make a deal before the ninth or on the actual trade deadline? The Blazers make a deal. I think a Van, I think a Jared Vanderbilt deal is coming before February sixth because the Blazers have a six and a half million dollar trade exception they got from the Robert Covington trade that expires on February sixth, and that trade exception can be used to absorb Vanderbilt's salary. So if Vanderbilt is going to happen, I think they're going to push for it to happen before that trade exception expires because using that trade exception to absorb Vanderbilt will allow Portland to create a bigger trade exception. There's actually a lot of realistic deals where Portland could get a $13 million trade exception out of getting back Kelly Olenek and Jared Vanderbilt and trading out Josh Hart, Winslow, Keon Johnson, Greg Brown, you know, pieces like that. So uh, if if they're trading for Vanderbilt, I think it's happening in the next two to three days. And let me ask you this real quickly. I get the sense that you think the Vanderbilt trade is going to happen. Like, it's obviously, this isn't a 100% for sure thing, but I get the sense that you think this thing is happening. Like, Vanderbilt's going to be a Portland Trailblazer. Yeah, my gut feeling is telling me that. Um, it's nothing for sure right, at this right, point, right, right. but Dame wants him. Cronin wants him. The Blazers need more size. Utah's selling. Like, everything just lines up here. He's He's been linked to Portland. Like, Shams talked about it. Like, Blazers have been talking about this guy for, you know, a year plus. I'm with you. Chauncey Billups likes him. You seem pretty certain that he's coming to Portland. I think I think he'll be fun to watch. Yeah. If I had to bet on him coming to Portland or not coming to Portland at this point, I would probably bet on him coming to Portland. And with that, want to wrap it up. Uh, be sure to check out. Tori and Eric at Blazers Uprise for that trade deadline special and all their pre and post game videos. Uh, catch me, 7.50 the game. I'm literally on the radio every single day. Every day. Sunday to Saturday, I guess that would be. I don't know the first day of the week, Monday to Sunday, whatever it is. I'm, I'm on there every single day. Uh, 3 to 6, John Canzano, Con, John Canzano, the BFT, and then uh, Saturday to Sunday, bet the game, 9 to 10 a.m., where it's mostly just a gambling show, but I always get Blazer takes in there because I just... I have Blazer takes Tori. I got to get him out. So I just, I have to get him out at some point and that I'm on the air. So just spout him off of that. So check me out there. Uh, of course, on Twitter at Steven underscore V O N for Tori at Tori Jones, Y T. So for my guy, Tori Jones, I am Steven Vaughn Blazers. Make a trade. Let's go. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.